We love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. Thank you that there is a group of people in this area that would come out to church on a Wednesday night to study your Bible. And Lord, as we go through this chapter verse by verse, I pray you'd help us to understand it, Lord. Speak to us through the Word, Lord. Help me to be able to preach your Word with boldness. We, fo- we love you, Father, in your precious name, I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Exodus chapter number 20, and we've been studying through the book of Exodus on Wednesday nights, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we find ourselves in Exodus chapter number 20, one of the most famous passages in Scripture, and that is the Ten Commandments. And I'd like you to just keep your finger there in Exodus 20, and go with me just real quickly to Deuteronomy chapter number 4. I'd like you to see something real quickly. The Ten Commandments, you're there in Exodus, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 4. And the Ten Commandments are found in two places in Scripture, in their entirety. Now, the Ten Commandments are quoted time and again in the New Testament in different places. But in in, uh, Exodus chapter number 20, and in Deuteronomy chapter number 4, you find the Ten Commandments. Now, in Exodus chapter 20 is when the Ten Commandments were given by God. Deuteronomy chapter number 4, or the book of Deuteronomy, is the re-giving of the law. The, The word Deuteronomy actually means in the English language, it means to give the law again. And in Deuteronomy, Moses is, is uh, again reinstating the laws that God had given. And I want you to just see a, a couple things there in Deuteronomy chapter number uh, 4. Look at verse number, where do I want you to go? Look at verse number uh, 11. Look what it says. It says, And ye came near and stood under the mountain. Remember last week we were talking about how God met with the children of Israel for the first time and He came down, His glory came down on that mountain and they trembled with fear. That's what He's referring to in verse 11. He says, And ye came near and stood under the mountain and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And I want you to notice verse 12. And the Lord, notice what it says, spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Now, a common misconception conception that people have, because they watch too many movies and don't read the Bible, is that they think that Moses went up to the mountain, and God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and Moses came down with the stones to the people. But the Bible says that God actually spoke the Ten Commandments to the people, and they heard it with their own ears. Do you see that? Look at verse 12. It says, and the Lord spake unto, this is Moses speaking to the children of Israel, he says, the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. And it says, ye, notice what he says, heard the voice of the word, but saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. You say, what did they hear? Look at verse 13. And he, talking about God, declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform even, notice what he says, ten commandments. you see that? Now that phrase, Ten Commandments, is a biblical phrase. We've got to find that from Deuteronomy 4. But I want you to see there that the Bible refers to these as the Ten Commandments. And the Bible says that God spoke these words. And the children of Israel, they all heard uh, the words. And if you keep reading there in Deuteronomy 4, you'll see Him go through uh, the Ten Commandments. And we'll come back to Deuteronomy 4 later on in the Bible study. Go back to Exodus chapter number 20. But I want you to see there that the Bible refers to these as the Ten Commandments. Now something you've got to understand is that these are not the only commandments in the Bible. That's another misconception that people have. People will label, the Ten Commandments are the only commandments we've got in the Bible. The Bible, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many commandments there are in the Bible. I, I've heard it said, and it sounds very uh, true, that it, just in the first five books of the Bible, which are uh, called the Law or the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you find over 600 commandments. 
And then if you go throughout the whole, I mean, Jesus was giving commandments all over the place and, and stuff like that. There's, there's probably thousands of commandments in the Bible. These Ten Commandments are special in the fact that they're the commandments that God gave the children of Israel. He, he put them on stone tablets. He gave them to the children. These are a condensed version of really those 600 other commandments. These are just a very basic structure of a way we should live and a way we should act. And we'll see later on the sermon how even condensed it even more uh, later on in Scripture. But I want you to notice a few things. i, I got to give you a few things in, by way of introduction before we can get through the Ten Commandments. And we're going to preach through every single one of them tonight. But just real quickly, go with me to the book of uh, Galatians. Galatians in your New Testament. Keep your finger there in Exodus 20 because we're coming back to it. Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter number 3, if you find, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and right after the books of Corinthians, you've got the book of Galatians chapter number 3, and look at verse number 24, Galatians chapter number 3, and verse number 24. We're going to look at a lot of Bible tonight. I hope you're okay with that. I think that's why you came to Bible study. Galatians chapter number 3, look at verse number 24. You've got to understand, the main purpose of the law, alright? And here's where Verity Baptist Church disagrees with the religions of this world. You say, well, you disagree. Well, we disagree where the Bible disagrees, alright? We, we agree with the Bible. The Bible is our authority. And the main purpose of the law was not to bring salvation. I know we've talked about this a lot before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But most, you ask most people, and they'll say, you know, uh, you, you ask them, do you know for sure you died today? you go to heaven or you ask them uh, you know you know about your salvation and most people answer well I try to keep the law I try to live a good life I try and most a lot of people even tell you I try to live by the Ten Commandments but the Bible teaches us if you look at Galatians 3 and verse number 24 the Bible says wherefore the law now that's not just referring to the Ten Commandments but definitely the Ten Commandments encompassed in that it says wherefore the law was our schoolmaster that word schoolmaster there means it was our instructor it was our teacher notice to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith so see salvation does not come by keeping the law false religions today will teach you you want to go to heaven when you die keep the commandments live a good life do good things repent of your sins but the Bible says that the commandments the purpose of the commandment was not for us to attain salvation. The purpose of the law was to tell us and to teach us to be a schoolmaster that we are sinners and to bring us to Christ. See, when we look at our lives compared to the Ten Commandments, we realize that we come short. Does that sound familiar? We come short of the glory of God and we come short of the Ten Commandments. So therefore we now need a Savior. That's the purpose. So when we're preaching through the Ten Commandments, I don't want you to think I'm preaching this because this is what you've got to do to be saved. No, the, the purpose of the commandments and the purpose of the law when it comes to salvation is that it brings us to Christ. It says, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. I'll go back to Exodus chapter 20. I'm going quickly because i got a lot to get through tonight. Exodus chapter number 20. Exodus chapter number 20. And since you've got, uh, you've got ADD and you've got a short attention span, i only got a short amount of time to do this before I lose you. So Exodus chapter number 20. If you would take your medication before you came to church, it would have helped. I'm just kidding. Exodus chapter number 20. Uh, look at verse number uh, 20. Let me just skip down to verse 20 real quick. It says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come... Notice what he says. God has come to prove you. That word prove there means to test you. This is after they heard the Ten Commandments. Look at verse, well, look at verse 19, actually. And they, this is the people, responding, they said unto Moses, because remember, they just heard God speak out of the mountain. According to Deuteronomy. Now, that doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us that in Exodus, but it tells us that in Deuteronomy. That's why you've got to study the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. 
It says, and Moses said, uh, I'm sorry, verse 19. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us. Notice what they say. They say, Moses, you speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God, let not God speak with us, lest we die. So they already heard God, and they say, we don't want to talk to God anymore. <laughs> it's scary. Moses, you talk to us. You see how the Bible makes sense when you start studying it together with other scriptures? Look at verse 20. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not. He said, Hey, don't be afraid of God. For God has come to prove you. He said, God came to test you. And notice this. And that His fear may be before your faces. He says, God came because He wants you to be... Now, we, today people say, Well, that fear there means a reverence and a respect. And yes, of course, it means a reverence and a respect. But when the Bible says fear, I believe it means fear. I believe God wants us to be afraid. God gives us commandments and God gives us laws because He wants us to be afraid to cross that line. Notice what He says. That ye, His fear may be before your faces. Look at the last part of verse 20. That ye sin not. Do you see that? This is the purpose of the law. In a spiritual salvation sense, the purpose of the law is to show you your sinner and bring you to Christ. But in a practical sense, the purpose of the commandments is so that you will keep them. Why does God want you to keep the commandments? That you said not. Do you see that? God wants you to obey the commandments. That's why they're there. Yes, they're there to bring you to Christ. Yes, they're there to show you that you cannot attain to the perfect law of God. Yes, they're there to show you you're a sinner. But in a very practical sense, they're there to show you how you ought to live your life. Look at verse 1. And God spake all these words. That's, that goes right with Deuteronomy, right? God spake all these words, saying... Now, let me, let me just stop there in verse 1 real quick and just make a, a statement before we get into the Ten Commandments. Verse 1 of chapter 20 is a great verse on the inspiration of Scripture. The Bible tells us that, that the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. What the, that word inspiration means is that God literally breathed it out of His mouth. We believe, and the Bible teaches, that God spake all these words. Sometimes people get offended with us, or get upset at us, because we uh, use the King James Bible, and we uh, you know, may not use other versions of the Bible. Here's what you understand. Okay, if you have 25 different versions of the Bible, and they all say something different, did, God say all, did He say all of those things? Look, God only said one thing, right? The Bible says God spake all these words. So if you believe that God spake these words, then which ones did He speak? And you, you know, you got to think about that and understand that and study that out. The Bible says, and God spake all these words. This isn't something that, that Moses wrote down. This is something that God said. And, and Moses wrote what God said. Look at verse 2. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. In verse 3, you find the first commandment. Now, here's what's interesting about the Ten Commandments. In a very generic way, if, without really thinking about it, you talk to the average Christian, and the average person believes. In fact, if I were to ask you this question before the service started, you know, before I made the statements I just made, most everyone here would have probably assumed that they keep most of the Ten Commandments. Most people believe, I keep the Ten Commandments. You know, uh, you know, maybe just not the one about lying or something like that. But for, for the most part, I keep the, the Ten Commandments. And what I think is funny is that if you really study the Ten Commandments, you'll realize that almost every single one of us break every single one of them almost every day. If you really get down and study. But most people just assume, oh, the Ten Commandments, yeah, I keep the Ten Commandments. Here's the funny thing. Is, you know, don't do this. I'll so many. But, but, but I, I, I've done this a few times. And I, you know, people will say, you knock on somebody's door, you ask them, do you know for sure if you die today, would you go to heaven? You know, we ask them that question because we want to show them how to be saved. And, and a lot of people say, well, well I, I, you know, I keep the Ten Commandments. I, you, you ask most people, name them. All ten of them. The 
average person can't do it. If I went down the line right now, probably most people in this room could not name the Ten Commandments. That's not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to make you feel bad so you read the Bible, maybe study them out. <laughs> Learn them. You know, you, you might be able, most people will be able to say three or four of them, five of them maybe, but all ten of them in order, good night. But, what you've got to understand is most people don't keep the Ten Commandments. Maybe as we're going through them, see how well you do. Look at verse 3. You find the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The Bible says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What we can learn from the first commandment is this. First of all, there are no other gods that we should acknowledge. And really, there are no other gods that exist other than the Lord Jehovah God. Do you understand that? You want to know why people, you know, today there's an attack on the Ten Commandments. I remember a few years ago, there was a big battle about whether the Ten Commandments could be in, the, in a courtroom. Whether the Ten Commandments can hang in a public school. You want to know why people don't like the Ten Commandments? Guess what? It's not the thou shalt not kill. Most people agree with that. It's right here in the very first commandment when it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know why people don't like that? Because that flies just... I, I, like, I like how God is... Because sometimes people get mad at me. Like, Pastor Emanuel, you're very offensive when you're preaching. Well, first of all, the Bible's offensive, not me. I'm actually a very nice person, I like to think. But, you know, people say, Well, well the, the Bible is so offensive. But from, from statement one, God says, Hey, by the way, there's only one God. There is no other God. Well, guess what? The Mormons don't like that because they believe in multiple gods. The, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus Christ is God, so they don't like that. The Muslim doesn't like that. The Hindu doesn't like that. And look, I'm not trying to be offensive or be rude or anything, but you got to understand that number one, the Ten Commandments, the most famous, you know, one of the most famous passages in Scripture, number one, God steps out and says, by the way, there is no other God. Period. There is God, Jehovah God. He says what you, can, what you can learn from the commandments is that there's no other God that we should acknowledge or, or, or believe that exists. There's just one God. Look what he says. Thou shalt have no other gods. But notice this. This is the second thing you can learn from the first commandment. Notice what he says. This is a key word to the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods. If you don't mind underlining or circling your Bible, you've got to circle this word. Before me. Do you see that? The second thing we can learn from the first commandment is that we should not put anything before God. Do you see that? See, God not only expects, listen to me, God not only expects, God literally demands in the first commandment, He demands that He be number one, first in your life all the time, unapologetically. He says, there is no other God before me. Period. Now look. Here's what you got to understand. You say, well, Pastor, I, I'm a very good Christian. I keep all the commandments. Look, you, you probably broke the first one today. <laughs> the Bible says, I shall have no other gods before me. Look, li- listen to me. Every single time you put something before God, you broke the first commandment. Period. Well, I don't like you saying that. Well, I didn't say God spake all these words. Every time you put, you say, but see, here's the thing. Let, let's get real practical here. You wake up in the morning. And, and, you, and you ought to get up out of your bed and say, I'm going to spend time with God, meditating with God and God's Word. But you sit down and, and you see that newspaper there, and you say, ah, I really want to read that newspaper. Or I really want to turn on that television and just watch a little bit of the news before I get... You know, when you give it to that, you know what you just did? You put something before God. You know on Sunday morning when the alarm clock goes off and you think, ah, I don't want to go to church this morning. 
And you skip out on church? Let me tell you something. Every time you skip out on church, you just put something before God. You just broke the first commandment. And you're the good Christian. You know, we're, we're mad at the world because the, well, the world's a Ten Commandments. You know, we as Christians, we make a big deal about they got to have the Ten Commandments in the Christian school, in the public school. And the church can't even keep the first commandment. You put something before God. Look, every time you put anything before God, you just made an idol out of that because you put it before the place of God. The Bible says, Jesus Christ says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And anytime you put anything before God, you violated the first commandment. I remember a story. I think of it often. Of, uh, there, there's a, the church, a church that I grew up I grew up in, my family and I grew up in when I was a teenager. There's a, the, the father of the pastor of that church, his name was... Pastor Nichols Sr. He's this old man. He'd come and pre- it was the, the father of the pastor of the church. He'd come to preach once a year or whatever. Now I remember this story. It was embedded in my mind. This man was a preacher of the Word of God for like 50 years. I mean, a, a huge, long ministry. And he had a granddaughter that had just gone off in the world and lived for, you know, lived for the world and didn't care. And you know, his granddaughter was getting married. And guess what this little uh, precious da- granddaughter did? She set her wedding date for Sunday night at 6 p.m. Now look, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think an independent fundamental Baptist preacher is doing on Sunday night at 6 p.m.? He's in church, preaching God's word, right? And, and here's the thing, the, the wedding was set for just a couple hours away from where he was married, where, where he pastored. So she says, Grandpa, this ought to work out perfect. You go to church on Sunday morning. As soon as you're done, you go have lunch. You drive over to whatever city it was. And you, you know, you, you're able to come. You just skip out on Sunday night church. And he wrote back, you know, I said, you know, you RSVP or whatever. He wrote back, zero coming. Send it back. Big blow up in the family. The daughter, the mom, everybody is upset. The granddaughter, you're not coming to my, to my wedding. You know, to my wedding and blah, blah. You know what he said? He said, there's 168 hours in the day, in the week, you get out married whenever you want. I'm in church. Here's what he said. He said, I'm not going to put you, I'm not going to put anything before God. But look, let me tell you, every time you skip out of church to go to work, you just put your job before God. Every time you skip out on church because you're tired, you just every time you skip out on church to spend time with the family, every time you do anything, you well, this is a Super Bowl, Pastor. I can't go to church on the Super Bowl. It's a Super Bowl. You just look, look. You just put that before God. How you doing on the Ten Commandments, Christian? Well, they gotta put them in the public schools. Why are we so worried about them putting them in the public schools when we can't keep them? When Christians haven't decided that we're gonna put God first in our life. What's the God would get back to Christianity that would say, Thou shalt have no other gods before me? Look at verse 2. Look at verse 4. Commandment 2. Thou shalt, notice what it says, not make unto thee any graven image. Now look, these are the Ten Commandments. Do you understand that? These are the most basic, generic, everybody knows the Ten Commandments, right? Supposedly. Look at verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. You know what that word graven means? It's our word engraved. He says you're not supposed to make an image that's engraved. Or any likeness. You know what the word like? When something is similar. He says don't make any likeness of anything. Notice what it says. That is in heaven above. Or that is in the earth beneath. Or that is in the water under the earth. Do you see that? Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. 
For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Do you see that? The second commandment is about idol worship. But there's two parts to it. The second part, we'll start with that one, verse 5. This is one everybody acknowledges. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. Now most people say, it's okay to have an image as long as you don't worship it. As long as you don't bow yourself to it. Well, number one, right now we're already... You know, it's funny. Brother Ron and I were out soul winning earlier today. And we, we ran into a couple Catholics. And look, I'm not against Catholics. I, I love Catholics. My wife used to be a Catholic. We, we're trying to get Catholics saved every day. But I am against false religion. And I am against religion that... You know, and, and these Catholics, it's funny because they just... They, they, they come out the door and they're like, well, I'm a Catholic. And they just expect you to, oh, you're a Catholic, like, like you're supposed to give them a pass, like that's just the, you know, and one lady said this, you can ask Brother Rodney, I'm not like, she said, I grew up a Catholic, trust me, we know the Bible better than anyone else. And I think to myself, you don't even know the Ten Commandments, because you know what the first thing a Catholic does when they enter the Catholic Church, what do they do? <laughs> but the, the second commandment, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, is that not what it says? If we could get back, you think Christianity could get toward, if we could just get back to the Ten Commandments, we might do something. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. But notice, see, right now when I just preach, every Baptist, Amen, Pastor. But look at verse 4, though. There's a, there's a first part before bowing down. He says, Thou shalt not make. Do you see that? God says, I not only don't want you back, because here's what the Baptist says, well, it's okay to have a crucifix as long as I don't bow myself to it. God says, I don't want you to make it. You see that? He says, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is... Now, here's the the funny thing. Here's why I believe the Bible is inspired by God. Because God goes through... I'm sure in the day of Moses, Moses looked at God and said, God, okay, we get it. Do you have to be this specific? Because notice what he said. He said, that is in... God says, I don't want you to make an image of anything that is in heaven above. Okay? Do you understand what what we mean by that? Heaven above. He says, or that is in the earth beneath. Or that is in the water under the earth. Now, I'm sure Moses was like, God, we get it. Okay, no, no image, no likeness, no pictures, no idolatry. Just let's get a little more specific. Go me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Just real quickly, you've got to go fast or we're going to run out of time. In Deuteronomy chapter number 4. Deuteronomy chapter number 4, look at what it says in verse... Uh, let's go to verse number... Uh, let's start at verse 15. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude. Moses saying, did you notice how you never saw God? He said, you heard God from the mountain, but you never saw His face. He said, did you? That's what the word similitude means. He said, you didn't see uh, 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 something in His face, something that you could make something similar to. Verse 15, take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb, out of the midst of the fire. He said, here's why God didn't show you His face. Lest, that word lest means unless, ye corrupt yourselves and make, notice what He said, you graven, that's talking about engraved image, the similitude, or he's saying you're gonna, if you would have seen God, you would have made something that looked like God, of any, notice what he says, figure, the likeness, so something that looks like, notice what he says, of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, that's the likeness, the word beast there means animal, the likeness of any winged fowl. 
that lies in the air. So in Exodus, he says, nothing in heaven, nothing in earth, nothing in water. Here he tells us, no animal that's on the earth, no uh, uh, winged fowl, no bird that's in the air. Look at verse 18. The likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any, notice he says, any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. He says, I don't want you to make, he says, I don't want you to make uh, an image of a male. He says, I don't want you to make an image of a female. He says, I don't want you to make an image of a, uh, of something on the earth. He says, I don't want you to make an image of a fowl in the air. He says, I don't want you to make an image of a fish in the water. And what does Christianity in 2012 do? They put a dove on the back of their, on the back of their, you know, bumper sticker on the back of their car and says, that's for the Holy Spirit. God's head don't make a winged fowl. What else do they do? They put a fish. Yesterday, my, I took, well, my wife and I took the kids to the state fair. Who was there? The fish. The Christian rock. God said, don't make an image of a fish. What was, what, what are the Catholic, what do we say? Oh, you know, all these, and Catholics, good night. Christians today, you walk into Christians' home, they have an idol of Mary, a female. They have a crucifix of Jesus Christ, a male. They have pictures of Jesus. They have, they have all these things. And, God, and We're on the second commandment. <laughs> How you doing? Thou shalt, know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And showing mercy. Notice, God is a jealous God. That's why, verse, verse commandment 1, he says, Don't put anything before me, because I get jealous. You ever, you ever seen a... You ever seen a uh, a man who's jealous. You, you were talking to that guy a little too long. He, he, was, he was ringing up. <laughs> He's a clerk at the grocery store, honey. He said, hi. I said, hello. You know, that's how God is. And when you start spending a little too much time with this, or a little too much time with that, and it's taking time from him, God says, I, I'm jealous. He says, that's why I don't want you bowing down to another God. He said, that picture of Jesus, that's not me. He said, you never saw my face. And let me tell you something. Nobody has seen the face of Jesus. You say, people, people saw the face of Jesus. You know, the, look, let me tell you Michelangelo never saw the face of Jesus. He just drew something that came into his head. Look at verse 7. Commandment 3. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. That word vain there means worthless. It means accomplishing nothing. It means of no value. The word vain, it, it'd be like, like if, if, I, if I got in my car and I drove down to the store and the store was closed and I would say, man, I drove down here in vain. Right? Because I accomplished nothing. It, it was for nothing. You understand that? God says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. What that means is that you are not to use God's name with no purpose. You are, here's the thing, you're to use God's name when you're speaking to God, like in prayer, or when you're speaking about God, like you're talking to other people about God. Other than that, you're not supposed to use the name of God. What do people do today? Oh, can you believe so-and-so, what they were wearing? Oh my God! Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, at, at that moment, are you talking to God? No. At that moment, are you talking about God? No. What are you doing? Taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You know what else people do? Heathen today... Well, say, yeah, this is worse than oh my. They'll, they'll, they'll uh, you know, they'll hear somebody's. Uh, I, I can't believe it. Jesus Christ. Taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 
We're in commandment three. Seven more to go. But, but before we do that, let me tell you something. Don't, it is not of Christians to take the name of God as an expletive. Say, what does the word expletive mean? It means in a profane ex- exclamation. It means like you're just using it just like a swear word. Oh my God! Jesus Christ! I can't believe she's doing that again. That's wrong. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. But let me tell you something. You are not to take the name of God in a euphemism either. So what does the word euphemism mean? It means substituting an offensive or unpleasant expression for a mild or pleasant one. So you say, this is what Christians do. This is Christian swearing. Well, I'm not going to say, oh my God, because that's a sin. I'll just say, oh my gosh. Well, what's a gosh? Can somebody explain to me what a gosh is? Because I'm pretty sure what a gosh is, is just a Christian term for God. And it's wrong. Why are you trying to be like the world? Or Christians won't say, Jesus Christ. They'll say, jeez. Why don't you just finish it? Jesus Christ. That's what you're wanting to say. Third commandment. I wish you know, public schools need the Ten Commandments. I wish we'd get the Ten Commandments back in the church. Look at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Go with me. Keep your finger there in Exodus 20. We're coming back to it at some point. But go with me to Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2. Now here's what you got to understand about the Sabbath day. Now, I don't have the time to explain the Sabbath day as well as I'd like to. I preach entire sermons on the subject of the Sabbath day. You can go on our website. And find sermons entitled the seventh day, the Sabbath day. And we went and spent an entire sermon just on that subject. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But I do need you to understand a few things. You can go on our website and find a sermon entitled the seventh day Adventist. And we went through the Sabbath day there as well. But you've got to understand a few things about the Sabbath day. You're there in Colossians chapter number 2. Look at verse number 16. Colossians chapter number 2. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, let the word of Christ Dwell, I'm sorry, I'm not in the right place. Colossians 2, verse 16. I was in Colossians 3, 16. Colossians 2, 16. Look what it says. Let no man therefore judge you in... Notice what he says. He says, don't let anybody judge you in these things. In meat, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day. That's where we get our term holiday, by the way. Or of a new moon, or of the Sabbath days. Okay? These are all things found in the... Levitical law, the meat offerings, the drink offerings, the special holy days, the new moons, all that stuff. He says, let no man therefore judge you in the meat, or in the drink, or in respect of holy day, or of a new moon, or of the Sabbath days, look at verse 17, which are a, notice what he says, shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Now here's what you got to understand. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. But in the New Testament, God specifically gave us a list of things that He said these were a shadow of things to come. Do you understand that? Now notice, does it say, where does it say and adultery and fornication and stealing? Does it say? He gives you a very specific list. He says meat, drink, uh, respect of holy day, new moon, Sabbath day. He said these were a shadow of things to come. Go, to, uh, go with me to Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews Chapter number 9 in your New Testament there. Hebrews chapter number 9. Look at verse number 9. 
Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse 9. Right before the book of James, Hebrews chapter 9, and look at verse number 9. The Bible says, which was a figure. I'm sorry if I don't say that word right, it's my accent. Which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did service perfect, uh, as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in, does this sound familiar? Meats and drinks and diverse washings and cardinal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. You see that? In Colossians, he told us these things were a shadow. In Hebrews, he told us these things are a figure. Those are the same thing. If somebody takes a flashlight up here, turns all the lights off, takes a flashlight, shines it right here, and I start doing, you know, this. I'm, I'm making a dog with my hand, for those of you who skipped out on church and you're listening on the internet. What is that going to make a... What is that, that going to portray here on, on, the, on the wall? What is that going to be? A shadow, right? Who do you also call it a figure? Now, here's the thing. I, I've got other ones, too, I can do. I'm doing the bat now. No, I'm just kidding. The figure or the shadow. Now, here's the thing. He's saying these were not the actual things. They were a image of what was to come. So, he says, when you took the lamb and you sacrificed, that that lamb was not the actual salvation. It was a shadow. It was an image. It was a figure of the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who would that one day come. You understand that? These things were for a time to show us what would come. Look what it says. Look at verse, what, where are you at? He, uh, Hebrews 9, look at verse number 11. But Christ, no, verse 10. Which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and cardinal orders, imposed on them, notice, he says they were imposed on them until a certain time. What time? Until the time of reformation. Now, if you went to public school or Christian school or whatever school, you were probably taught that the Reformation, if you even remember or were even paying attention in history class, you were taught that the Reformation was when Martin Luther stood up and took his, you know, little paper that he wrote and put it on that Catholic door and then John Calvin and all these guys came out and they protested against the Catholic Church and you got the Reformation. But that's not what the Bible teaches, okay? That's history. You say, well, what is the Reformation? Well, look at what it says. The Bible is always its own best dictionary. He says, imposed on them until the time of Reformation, look at verse 11, but Christ being come. So what's the time of Reformation? Verse 11, he answers. He tells us, when Christ being come. That's the Reformation. Not Martin Luther, not John Calvin, not those guys. When Jesus Christ came. So here's what he said. He said, the meats, the ordinances, the, the, the washings, the, 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 the Sabbath days and the holy days, those were a shadow. They were a figure until the time then present when Christ came. All of that was a picture of Jesus Christ, pointing us to Jesus Christ. You say, what was the picture? I don't have time to develop it. I've preached entire sermons on it before. The picture of the Sabbath day was that God worked six days, God labored, and on the seventh day, He entered into the seventh day, and He rested, and He ceased from all His work, in the same way that a person is trying to earn salvation by keeping the law, by being a good person, and then they get saved, and they enter into our Sabbath, which is what? The Lord Jesus Christ. We entered into His rest. That's what it means. If you don't understand that, go back and listen to the entire sermon. I don't got time to uh, go through and preach that. But the Sabbath day is a commandment that no longer applies to New Testament believers. I believe that. Go back to Exodus 20. Now today, Christians will say, well, the Sabbath, Sunday is the new Sabbath. 
Well, look what the Bible says. Look at verse 9. Exodus 20, verse 9. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the, notice what it says. Seventh day is the what? Sabbath of the Lord. The Bible says, don't buy a dictionary. Throw away the commentary. Just use the Bible. The seventh day is the what? Sabbath. If you speak Spanish, that makes very, that's perfect for you because you know that in Spanish, the word for Saturday is what? Sabado. Comes from the same root word as Sabbath. Uh, somebody was telling, I think Ms. Blanca was telling my wife about, um, what is it that your husband's going on in a couple months? I can't think of what it's called. Sabbatical. Sabbatical. After seven years of employment, they give you a sabbatical. Why? This comes from the same root word. It means the seventh. Sunday is the first day of the week, not the seventh. Saturday is the seventh day, Sunday is the first. You say, why do we have church on Sunday? Because thou shalt not have any God before me. You give God the first of everything. You give God the first day of the week. You give God the first of your tithes and offerings. You give God the first of everything. That's a concept found in all, all scriptures. But the Sabbath day, that was a day of rest, no longer today. Now look, the concept of taking a day to rest, praise God for it. You can have that. But let me tell you something. Go over to Romans chapter 14 real quickly. We're running out of time. Romans chapter 14. Look at verse number... You say, Pastor, what happens if we run out of time? You get home late. That's what happens. Romans 14, look at verse 5. You've got to hurry up. Romans 14, look at verse 5. Look what it says. Romans 14, look at verse 5. Romans 14. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, One man, are you there? Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 14, look at verse 5. One man esteemeth one day above another, and another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. The New Testament believer is not bound by a law of keeping any day. God says, you want to esteem one day above another? Go for it. He says, you want to esteem every day alike? It doesn't matter. He says, do what you want. People today say, I can't believe that you celebrate Christmas. Hey, one man esteemeth one day above another, and another man esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Do what you want. Say, well, I don't want to celebrate Christmas. Then don't. I wish I could get away with that. I won't have to buy gifts. But I can't get away with that. You want to, you want to celebrate Christmas? Celebrate you I don't want to celebrate Easter. Then don't. You want to celebrate Easter? Then do. It doesn't matter. Some people say, I will not work on Sunday. Praise the Lord. Some people work seven days a week. It doesn't matter. Do what you want. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind, is what the Bible says. But the Sabbath, go back to Exodus 20, is a good reminder of this, salvation. Salvation. We entered into his rest. Look at verse 12. Verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. That's the fifth commandment. Now here's what you're going to understand about verse 12. You don't have to turn there, I'll just read this for you. Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 2 says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. The Bible tells us that the first commandment that God added a promise to, or He attached a promise to, was this of the uh, honor thy father and mother. You say, what's the promise? Look at verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. You see the colon there? That means the next statement has to do with the previous one. He says, colon, he says, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So the Bible says, God promises, hey teenager, God promises if you honor your father and your mother, God promises you, look this is in the Bible, that you will live a long healthy life. He promises that. Amen. 
Some of you better start, you know, exercising and eating healthy the way you were as a teenager. Good night. I'm surprised you're still alive now. <laughs> Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Look, honor your father. Honor your mother. That talks about respect. I don't have time to go there right now, but you study that word honor. It also has the, the, the uh, meaning and the intention of financial. You know, you ought to take care. You study that in, in the book of 1 Timothy. It talks about taking care of your widows with honor. And it's talking about financially taking care of them. Look, you, you don't, you know... I understand sometimes it gets to a place where you can't take care of elderly people because of... You know, but don't be this type of person that just ships off, you know, old people because they have no value or something into some... You know, honor your father, honor your mother. Take care of them. It's the first commandment with promise. Look at verse 13. Thou shalt not kill... That's the sixth commandment. Now here's what you gotta understand. There's a lot of controversy with, with, uh, with the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. The Jehovah's Witness will say, You are wrong for joining the military because the Bible says thou shalt not kill. And they believe the Bible says thou shalt not kill and you shouldn't kill. But here's, but, but here's what you gotta understand, okay? Keep your finger there in Exodus 20. Go to Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew 19. Matthew chapter number 19. Look at verse number 16. Matthew chapter number 19. Look at verse number 16. Matthew 19 and verse 16. Look what the Bible says. Matthew chapter number 19 and verse 16. The Bible says, And behold, one came and said unto him... Now here's what you understand. This is the story of the rich young ruler. Do you remember that story? Rich young ruler came to Jesus Christ to ask him a question. And he says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master. Now notice the question he asked. He says, What good thing shall I... Notice this. Do... He says, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now notice, did he, did he ask, what must I do to be saved? Is that what he asked? No, he didn't. He didn't say, what do I need to do to attain salvation? He said, what do I need to do that I may have eternal life? Okay? He has a very specific question. He said, what action must I take to be able to have eternal life? Remember on Sunday night when we were talking about Ruth? Remember what we were talking about? How there was that, that uh, near kinsman that was nearer than Boaz? And that near kinsman was represented by the law? And that the law, in a hypothetical sense, could bring salvation if you could keep it? Well, we get that from this passage. Because the man says, what must I do to, be, uh, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you're not asking me how to be saved. You're not asking me what to believe. You're asking me what you need to do to be saved. So he says, I'm going to ask you what you need to do to be saved. Look at verse 18. He says, he saith unto him, which... Oh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 17. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, notice what he says. He says, You want to do something to get yourself into heaven? Keep the commandments. That's very scriptural. If you want, listen to me, I'm not contradicting myself. If you want to go to heaven, you must keep the commandments. The problem is, you cannot keep the commandments. <laughs> That's the problem. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all, is what the Bible says. Yes, if you could keep all the commandments, you could go to heaven without Jesus Christ. You could be married to that near kinsman, like Ruth. But she, that near kinsman couldn't do anything for her. Because you can't keep the commandments. But this man, he didn't ask, what must I do to be saved? He said, what do I need to do to attain eternal life? And you said, well, what you need to do is keep the commandments. The problem is you're a sinner. That's what you say under his breath. That's not in the Bible, that's the... Not inspired version. Look at verse 18. He saith unto him, Which? So the rich young ruler said, Well, which one do I keep? See, Jesus, see, Jesus is, uh, Jesus is a great soul winner because he knows what you're thinking. 
So he's, he's bringing them in a big old circle, you know, to make him look, to make him realize. Because this young man, he comes to Jesus, like, what do I have to do to be saved? And he says, well, you got to keep the commandments. And he says, well, which one do I need to keep? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And I want you to notice, he only quoted, for, um, honor thy father and thy mother, verse 19. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Notice, he only quoted the last five commandments, and this, uh, uh, thou shalt not love thy... He quoted out of the last five commandments, not the first five. Do you understand that? Which deal with how he treats people. And he said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Look at verse 20. The young man said unto him, look at his attitude. All these things have I kept from my youth up? What like I yet? He says, I'm a pretty good guy. I kept all those commandments. And Jesus said, well, let me show you exactly what commandment you haven't kept. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. He says, he says oh, you think, you're, you think you're without sin, young man? Okay, well, let me show you what you don't, the commandment you haven't kept. You love your money. Because you're rich. You don't love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. He said, you don't love me above your money because you love your money more. He said, you think you're pretty good? Okay, sell everything you have and, and follow me. Look at verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, the problem is that you cannot keep the law. That's why you need a Savior. Okay? I said all that to say this. I, I, just, I, I just thought that was good. That, that wasn't even in my notes. I just wanted to show you that. But look at verse... But I want, this is what I wanted to show you. Uh, look at verse number 18. He said unto him, which? Jesus said, notice what he says, Thou shalt not kill. Is that what he said? No. What did Jesus say? He says, Thou shalt do no murder. Do you see that? In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it's quoted, Thou shalt not kill. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ is speaking Aramaic. It's written down in Greek. He's translating it from Hebrew, and here's how Jesus quoted it. I'll, I'll, hey, I'll put my money on Jesus before I put it on the commentary, wouldn't you? And this is how Jesus quoted it. He said, Thou shalt do no murder. Okay? The word murder means to kill somebody unlawfully. See, the Bible tells God is the one who established the death penalty. But today Christians will say, well, we shouldn't believe in the death penalty because the Bible says thou shalt not kill. God's the one who told Noah to establish the death penalty. The Levitical law tells us that you're allowed, if someone, the Bible tells us not the United States penal code or whatever. I'm talking about the, 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 the Bible. Old Testament Leviticus, the Bible says if someone broke into your house in the middle of the night, you were allowed to kill them in self-defense. Now, if they broke up in the middle during the day, you had to try to restrain them um, without hurting them if you could. But at night, when you couldn't see them, you were allowed to kill them. That's what the Bible says. God commanded Joshua to go into the promised land and to kill he, in a war. God is the one that established the death penalty. Do you understand that? So when he says thou shalt not kill, we are not taking this attitude like the Jehovah's Witnesses say, oh, we're not allowed to kill anything. No. You're not allowed to commit murder where you unlawfully kill somebody. But we should be allowed to, you know, uh, administer the death penalty and all those things because those are lawfully. Those are done within the law. Do you understand? Look at verse, where are we? Thou shalt not kill. You can kill in self-defense. You can kill and, and all of that. I mean, in America, you probably can't anymore. But, you know. Look at verse 14. Exodus, chapter 20, verse 14. We've got to get through this. We're almost done, not really, but we're on 7. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now look, in the United States of America, this is a commandment that's undermined every day. Every time you turn on that stupid television, you watch adultery on the television. They have shows where it's all about adultery. 
They have, t- you know, you watch, and I, you shouldn't watch anything. You should throw your stupid TV out the window because it's worthless. But you sit down and you watch your Jerry Springer or your whatever, and it's all about adultery. It's all about, you know, you watch all these prime time television. It's all about adultery. The Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery. That's what the Bible says. And, and you know, let me just explain something to you. People act like adultery is not that big of a deal today. Everybody, yeah, everybody's doing it, no big deal. You know that God put the death penalty on adultery in the book of Leviticus? God said, thou shalt, you know, you murder someone, they're going to take your life. You commit adultery, they should take your life. That's what he said. And now look, we're not, we don't live under that standard. We live in the United States of America. We don't live in Old Testament Israel. But I'm trying to explain to you that God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But let me tell you something. You know what, you know, people say, this is what people say, the, 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 the contemporary Christians of today, they'll say, in the Old Testament, God was mean, God was cranky, He was mad and ugly. Go to Matthew chapter 5. He didn't like people, but in the New Testament, He's loving, and He doesn't judge anybody, and He just loves, He's like Barney. But look at what it, look at look, explain to me explain to me if 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 the God of the New Testament Jesus Christ is 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 as strict or more strict than the God of the Old Testament because I'm pretty sure they're the same God. Look at Matthew chapter five. Look at verse number twenty-seven. Matthew chapter five. Look at verse twenty-seven. Look what the Bible says. Matthew five twenty-seven. This is Jesus Christ, by the way. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And and did did Jesus Christ put on his Hawaiian t-shirt and his shorts there in his contemporary Christian service and say, but that was in the Old Testament. Today we're under grace and do whatever you want. It's fine. Is that what he said? Look look at Jesus. Sounds like a hellfire and brimstone preacher. He says, verse 27, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say, Jesus said, But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Does that sound more extreme or less extreme? So then people say, well, Vanity Baptist Church, that's just too extreme. Hey, look, we're just trying to be like Jesus. Jesus came on the scene, he said, man, let's step it up a little bit. Let's make it a little more holy, a little more godly. Look, the Bible says it's wrong to look on a woman to lust after her, period. Men need to learn to control their eyes. Okay, yeah, I don't think you should say that. Hey, look, it's, it's the truth. Whether you like it or not, it's the truth. Get right with God. But hey, but listen to this. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to last after her, committeth adultery already, uh, uh, committeth adultery, notice this word, with her. Notice it doesn't say he raped her, it says he committed adultery with her already in his heart. You put on your scantily clad, you know, little skimpy outfits because you want men to look at you. God says you took part in that adultery as well, young lady. Dress right, look modest, don't tempt them. He steps it up. Look at verse 22. I didn't, I didn't cover this with... Uh, I, I didn't cover... Verse 21. I didn't cover this with the sixth commandment. Let's just do it real quick. Verse 21. This is Jesus. Ye have heard... The, the, the loving God of the New Testament that never commends it, you know, says anything about sin. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cross shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So notice, he said, he said, the, the Old Testament angry God said, thou shalt not kill and you're in danger of hellfire. He says, if you're angry with your brother, you're under the same punishment. What is he saying? He's saying, we gotta step it up. And so, you know, before we go off and pick it, let the Ten Commandments be posted in the courtroom. Maybe we ought to just get the Ten Commandments in our heart. Maybe we ought to get right with God. 
What are we on? The seventh commandment? Go to Exodus chapter 20, look at verse 15. Exodus 20. I'm doing my best to try to do this fast. Exodus chapter 20, look at verse 15. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Look what it says. We're almost done. We're on the downward spiral. First, Exodus 20, verse 15. Exodus 20, 15. Thou shalt not steal. You see that? Thou shalt not steal. Let me tell you something. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like, do I even need to tell you this? Don't steal. Say, I don't steal. You know how you know how Christians steal today? They get paid for eight hours of work, but don't put in eight hours of work. Look, if, God, if your job paid you eight hours of work, don't spend an hour, you know, and they gave you a 30-minute lunch, don't spend 45 minutes on Facebook. That's stealing. Put the time in. That's stealing. And by the way, people steal. Hey, just because you're in church, you know, you ladies, keep an eye on your belongings. Don't just drop your... You're we're in church. Look, let me tell you something. We've literally had people steal out of the offering plate here at Barry Baptist Church. In church? Yeah, in church! So watch your stuff. Thou shalt not steal. It's wrong. It's bad. Go, to, go with me real quickly, but let me show you. Let me show you. You say, well, I'd never steal, Pastor. I'm a good Christian. I keep all the Ten Commandments, like the first and the second and the third. Well, let's talk about that later. Go to Malachi chapter 3. Let me show you the most common way Christians steal today. Matthew chapter number 3. Look at verse 8. Very common verses. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 8. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 8. The Bible says, will a man rob God? Now that's a question. He says, he's God, God is saying like, well, what did somebody actually steal from God? I mean, the God that created the universe, the God that loves you, the God that died on the cross for you, he says, will a man rob God? But then no, he says, yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed, notice what he says, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even in this whole nation. The most common way Christians steal today is... Through not giving their tithes and offerings to God. Say, Pastor, you're just greedy. You Look, your money perish with you. I could care less if you put your money in the offering plate. I honestly could care less. I, I love you either way. But the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. And the Bible says, will a man rob God? And you say, I've never robbed God. And God says, you robbed me when you didn't give your tithes and offerings. And people say this. People that don't tithe say, I feel like I'm just, like I can't get ahead financially. Yeah, it's because you're cursed with a curse. <laughs> For ye have robbed me, even the whole nation. You say, I can't get ahead financially. Maybe if you start tithing by faith, God would bless you financially. Why would God bless you in the one thing you're stealing from Him? You know, why would God bless you in the area? I don't understand. We, we, God, can you help me with my finances? But you won't give towards my finances. God, will you help me with my family? But you don't, you're not a good testimony to your family. You know, you ought to give your life to God. See, the first commandment was, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. See, not stealing from God is not only breaking that commandment, it's also breaking the commandment. I want that money. You just put that before God. Thou shalt not steal. Look, go to Exodus 20, look at verse 16. Exodus 20, look at verse 16. Exodus chapter number 20, look at verse 16. Exodus 20, verse 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. False witness, talking about lying. You shouldn't lie. I don't want to spend a lot of time with this, but you know what? We lie more than we realize we lie. We lie every day, probably. Hey, you know what would be a good, a good, uh, a, a good project for for us to try, try to just go try to go a month without telling a lie. See how see how easy it is. Try to go a week, a day. That's what I bear false witness. That's in the Bible. Stop lying. You know when we usually lie? Try to cover ourselves because we did something else wrong. You say, well, what do I do, Pastor? Get right with God. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Ask whoever to forgive you. And just move on. 
And you say, well, what do I do? Just don't do it again. Look at verse 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Thou shalt not covet. You say, what does that word covet mean? Well, let me just explain to you using the Bible. Go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, real quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. We've got to do this in like five minutes, okay? I'm going to get in trouble. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Look at verse... I'm just kidding. I'm not going to get in trouble. But you are when you get home late. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Look at verse number... Where do I want you? Verse 21. Deuteronomy 5.21. Look what it says. Neither shall... Remember in Deuteronomy they were recapping the Ten Commandments, right? Look what it says. This is the, this is the last commandment, the Ten Commandments. Neither shalt thou bear false witness... I'm sorry, that's the, the Ninth Commandment, verse 20. Against thy neighbor, verse 21. Neither shalt thou desire... Do you see that? Desire thy neighbor's wife. Neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. Okay? This is why you've got to study, read the Bible. You compare spiritual with spiritual. So you get to Exodus 20 and it says covet. You're like, what does that word mean? Well, before you run to a commentary, go to Deuteronomy 5. And then the Bible tells us, neither shall thou desire. The word covet means to desire. Let's study a little more. Go to Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7 in your New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter number 7. Look at verse number 7. Romans chapter number 7. Look at verse 7. Uh, Romans... 7.7 7 says, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, notice what he said, he said is the law sin? God forbid. He said, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. So he says, because of the law, I understood sin. Because of the law, I understood I was a sin. He says, notice what he says, look at the last part of verse 7. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. You see that? The word covet means to lust. The word covet means to desire. Covet means to want something that someone else has. Go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, right before the book of James. Hebrews 13. Let me show you, the best way to describe the word covet is to show you the opposite of coveting. Hebrews 13, look at verse 5. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, 5. Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Do you see that? Let your conversation, that's talking about your way of life, be without covetousness and be, notice this word, content with such things as ye have. For ye have said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The sin of covetousness is the sin of not being content. So when you say, I don't like my house, I wish I had so-and-so's house, you're coveting because you're not content with what God gave you. You understand that? I wish I had so-and-so's wife. I wish I had so-and-so's husband. I wish I had so-and-so's job. I wish I had so-and-so's car. I wish I had so-and-so's... You're not content. You've got to learn to be content. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And to not be content is to desire other people's stuff or lust after other people. Look, the, Bible, the word lust isn't just, does not just only have a sexual connotation. Now, of course it does. But the Bible tells us that people, the Bible in the book of Psalms tells us people lusted after food. People lust after, they desire different things. You ought to learn to be content. Now look, there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, so that's a, that's a nice car, I'd like to work hard and save money to be able to purchase something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you say, I just I wish I had someone, so life's not fair. You're, you're breaking the Tenth Commandment. Thou shalt not covet. You're coveting. You say, well, how do I stop coveting? Learn to be content. 
Stop saying, I wish I had so-and-so's finger. I wish I had so-and-so's clothing. I wish I had so-and-so's whatever. Just learn to be content. You know, I, I, I worked in HVAC, and oftentimes I'd be going into... Pay, you know, there were these real nice people's houses, mansions and stuff. And it'd be easy to be like, wow, to live in a place like this. But you know what? I just, you just decide, hey, look, this is the house God gave me. Praise God for and you know, you know how you know the best way to get content about something. You know how I get content about the house I live in. I go out soul winning and see what other people think. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, be content. Can I show you a couple more verses? Two more verses. No. Well, two more passages. Can I show you some more passages? We're done. Matthew twenty-two. Matthew twenty-two. Matthew twenty-two. Look at verse thirty-seven. Matthew twenty-two. Look at verse thirty-seven. Matthew twenty-two. Verse thirty-seven. Matthew twenty-two. Verse thirty-seven. I'm taking a little longer than I usually take on Wednesday night, but remember, I gave it back to you that last time. Remember that? When I let you out early? Say, when was that? When you weren't here. That's when that happened. Matthew 22. Look at verse 37. Matthew 22. Look at verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 7. Look what it says. Look what it says. Look at it. Jesus said unto him, look what it says. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now look at verse 36. Master, they asked Jesus, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Here's what you're going to say about the Ten Commandments. The first five deal with our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Um, you know, honor thy father, the Sabbath day. Honor thy father and thy mother. Now, the fifth one starts transitioning, okay? But honor thy father and thy mother still has to do with God because who's our Heavenly Father? God. So the first five commandments deal with our relationship with God. The last five commandments deal with our relationship with man. Do you understand that? Yeah. You're not supposed to steal. You're not supposed to kill. You're not supposed to you know, commit adultery. You're not supposed to covet. Okay? In verse 36 of Matthew 22, the Bible says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? He said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And he says, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor on thyself. Look at verse 40. He says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. God, this is what Jesus said. He said, if you would learn to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, he says, you wouldn't skip out on church. You wouldn't skip out on Bible reading. You wouldn't skip out on prayer time. You wouldn't have idols. You wouldn't have great men and You wouldn't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You wouldn't do all those things if you love God with all your heart. Yeah. And he says, you know what? You're not going to commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. You're not going to steal from him. You're not going to kill him. You're not going to do those things if you learn to love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, what do I do, Pastor? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law. And the prophets. That's why I have a word of prayer. Dearly Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. Thank you for Bible study night. Thank you for allowing us to be able to go through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.